Tino mai, haere mai ki tēnei hōtaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. I'm Susana Leia And for Wallace Chapman, a special mental distress option on our 111 emergency calls. How soon could we have this service? Is there a time when you would have used it if we had it already? The police say thousands of mental distress calls every year get in the way of them fighting crime. We'll find out more. A group representing more than 9,000 doctors has written to the Prime Minister urging the government to change its mind on ditching smoking reform. The Council of Medical Colleges represents doctors from 34 specialties. Together with the Māori Medical Practitioners Association and Health Coalition Aotearoa, they're making this formal request in writing. We'll find out what's in the letter and who else received it. Tokatuake EQC is introducing an independent dispute resolution scheme to help make the process easier for homeowners after a natural disaster. It's one of the recommendations from the public inquiry in 2020, which found EQC was poorly prepared for the Canterbury earthquakes. But not everyone's convinced reinventing the wheel is the way forward. We'll find out more. Chief executives of 39 government departments are finalising their cost-cutting measures for the Minister of Finance. The union that represents public servants, yes, the PSA, says women will bear the brunt of the reduced spending. Fleur Fitzsimons from the PSA will join us. That's around quarter to five. Chocolate lovers, do we need to be concerned? Cocoa prices have hit a record high. BBC reports the cost of cocoa has doubled in the past year. What does that mean? We'll speak with local chocolatiers, or at least one of them. And, by the way, when it comes to chocolate, what's your preference? I know I'm looking at our gorgeous panellists here. I will name them. (laughs) Dark milk, white, which one is it? And before we go any further, today is World Radio Day, a UNESCO international day celebrating radio's remarkable past, relevant present and promising a dynamic future. I know UNESCO language can't go wrong. With me today on the panel, Sue Bradford. Kia ora. Kia ora. Wonderful to have you here. And Dean Hall. Kia ora. Kia ora. Welcome back. Well, before we go any further, do you see yourself as a maths person or a non-maths person? It's a bit of a funny question, but there have often well, always been people that balk at the idea of maths or identifying themselves with maths. To help us with the answer to this question, Dr Melissa Tacey is a senior lecturer in mathematics and president of the New Zealand Mathematical Society. Tēnā koe, Melissa. Uh, hello, how are you? Good, thank you. So are there some people who are just not good at maths? So, no, there is nothing really that tells us there are some people who just can't do mathematics. There are some people who think they can't, but that's quite a different thing. So how real is this maths, what do we call that, anxiety? Maths anxiety or maths phobia. It can be really real. For the people who suffer from it, it can even have physical symptoms. So they will find themselves sweating or their heart racing when they have to do some mathematics. It's the anticipation of actually doing mathematics that causes these symptoms, not the actual mathematics itself. So, mm, okay, firstly, why do people have maths anxiety? Well, that's something we don't completely understand, but from what we see is it turns out to be something of a cycle. You know, you have a bit of a bad experience with maths. Maybe you don't do as well in the test as you like and you start to think, oh, maybe I'm not a maths person. Maybe I'm just really bad at maths. And that builds a bit of anxiety. And then next time you have to do mathematics, well, 
you know, you maybe you don't do so well because you're a bit stressed out and that feeds into it. And so we just sort of build up this anxiety cycle uh, where people develop over time an idea that they're not a maths person. And that's strengthened by the myth that we have in the society that, you know, we have people who are good at maths and people who are bad at maths and there's some, somehow you have to categorise yourself as one or the other. Before we get into ways of managing this maths anxiety, let's come to the panellists. Dean, are you mm-hmm. a maths person? I love this topic because right. um, I make video games. And mm-hmm. I was actually in the remedial maths class at, at my high school. <laughs> And it was my head, uh, head of maths at Waitaki Boys School in Omaru, Alan Caldwell. He since died. He died quite tragically, quite young. I tried to look him up to thank him. He, for some reason, saw something in me, and it started my whole career. So I, I wouldn't have anything what I did if he didn't sort of identify that I, I can't do times tables. And that just screwed me. But maths is my whole life. It's how I talk to the computer. It's... I. I and I, I would say I 100% had this. So I, I love this topic. I, I think it's fantastic um, that um, you know, Dr. Tacey's bringing it up. Um, and I hope, more, I hope everybody goes and reads it. Excellent. So are you a maths person? Uh, no, but I'm not, not a maths person either. I, I see the beauty of it and I can love it to the extent I understand it. It's absolutely beautiful. But I'm not very good at it because I lost a whole year of maths um, from being in a school overseas, when we only did geometry, which didn't keep us up with the New Zealand curriculum. And after that, I was... But it's like music or a language if you don't keep learning on the layers. And so I ended up not being good at it, but that doesn't mean even now I, I can see the beauty of it and love it when children get into it. Do you have a question for Melissa? Either of you? Um, how do we solve it? I mean, I know it's yeah, a big article, but is there something that you could identify? Because it's huge for my industry, video games. But you know, it's the, it's a, it's the building block of the universe, maths. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that we can do to at least help things along. Uh, coming back to that idea of layers, that's really important. Is making sure oh, hold on one second, Melissa. The line has gone funny, and I'm not sure what's trying to cut across it. Are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Hmm, it's just a really strange quality. Just having a look at through the window at our producers to see. We don't know. Keep talking, Melissa, and let's see if it comes clear. If you've got any headphones on, Melissa, or are you on speakerphone for some strange reason? No, it's Oh no, we're losing you just at the right moment. This is my favourite panel topic. I too. know. We're just about <laughs> to get to the solution and I don't want us to miss it. We may have to call her back and come back to that answer, which I think we can do. I, I really like, though, the point of, like, you know when we say, oh, I'm not a maths person, it's like saying, oh, I'm bad at names. I, I, I've, I've tried to stop saying that myself because I feel like that's a, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I totally agree. We've got Melissa back. Hello, Melissa. It's a kind of a bit better, but you sound still far away. But let's soldier on and see if we can. Yep. So what's the solution for managing the maths anxiety? What do we need to look at first? So we need to look at the layers and making sure people don't miss a layer. Because if you miss a layer, it makes it harder for you to do the uh, future work. And that isn't because you're not unable to, and it really needs to be stressed to a student who's struggling because they're missing a layer, but it's not because they're stupid and it's not because they can't do it. It's just they might need to go back and pick up that layer. 
So if you have missed a layer and you're listening to this conversation, how do you find it again? So best thing, talk, if you're in a formal education centre, like in a school or university, you need to talk to your lecturer or your teacher and have a look at what you're missing. They should be able to identify it pretty quickly. Uh, and then just turn around and work on that. It, it takes a bit of time and you have to put a bit of effort into it, but it is something that you can overcome. And what about if you're not in a formal setting? What do you do then? What would you suggest? If you're not in a formal setting, I would start to look at some of the resources that are available online, on say on YouTube or through um, various open universities. They have some really nice um, videos that give you a nice little entry into some areas of basic maths. And so they're a good place to start and they often contain links. So if you feel like, you know, I didn't understand this point very well, you can follow a link through to find out a bit more about it. Thank you so much. Great speaking with you, Melissa. And for any listeners, do share your thoughts on whether or not you consider yourself a maths person or a non-maths person or how you found that breakthrough. Was there a great teacher that you had? Texts 2101, emails the panel at rnz.co.nz. I think it's time for I've Been Thinking. Sue, would you like to go first? I've been thinking that over the last couple of weeks there's been a real beating of the drums as a deliberate and concerted attack on the well-being of unemployed people and beneficiaries gets underway again. People like Richard Preble and Paula Bennett are out there with their columns creating a shame and blame atmosphere against people on the job seekers' benefit. They pay no mind to the fact that so many people on that benefit are those on their own with young kids or folks dealing with sickness and injury. And as of last weekend, the new minister, Louise Upston, is now front and centre, pushing for more sanctions and more pressure on, on job seekers. The deep cruelty of this is that at exactly the same time, the government's policies are aimed at putting many more people out of work. They want to get inflation down by deliberately increasing unemployment, and they're proposing major cutbacks across the public sector, as I think we're talking about a bit later on. It's all happened before, but I'm hoping that this time round, more people will understand the hypocrisy and ruthlessness of making life even harder for unemployed people at the same time as it's government policy to put thousands and thousands out of work. What do you say to people who say, hold on a second, people are on these job seeker benefits for such a long time? Well, uh, there's a whole lot of reasons for that. It can be because they have long-term um, uh, mental or physical illness and addiction issues. It can be um, because the jobs simply aren't there for them. Um, somebody that's, say, 57 and hasn't been in work for six years because of a heart attack, um, they have real issues getting a job. Yet the personal circumstances of these people are very hugely. Others are looking after young children on their own, and that, again, creates a whole set of difficulties. Um, and so when they talk about job seekers... Uh, no, uh, we'll just put more pressure on them, we'll put more sanctions on them and, and over and over again governments do this and it's, like, and it's all geared to trying to make the work, workers in paid work more vulnerable, um, pushing wages down, making more profits for employers and making life harder for those people um, both who are on the benefit now and who will be once they're out of a job in the near future. I've been thinking over to you, Dane. Thank you, Sue. Uh, mine's mine's a little bit n not quite as important, I think, but still, still, I think a bit. So I've been thinking about scooters, electric scooters, electric scooters. So yeah. uh, my cars, the batteries have died, and 
Uh, one of them I had to replace the entire fuel tank because I haven't used them. Um, two of them got deregistered because I forgot because I just – I even forgot where – so I don't use them. I get around with scooters or my two legs. How many cars do you have, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, four. Okay. Four. But so you uh, haven't been around, using them. I haven't been using them. So I want to get rid of them. But um, And that's good, right? That's great. That's what we want. Yes. But – and there's unfortunately a but – when I was coming here on the scooter, the scooter's over the footpath. They've fallen down. And I was thinking, how is that for people who are on mobility scooters? Yeah. How is that for elderly people? Blind people. Blind people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the solution is. I have no thoughts on it. But I, I love the scooters for what they do for me. I um, I feel good about it. It gets me around faster than even getting an Uber. And I think it's great for the environment. But I don't know what we do about the problem. So. Well, we're talking about scooter courtesy, right? I mean, yes. it's interesting yep. you bring this up because you obviously scooted here on mm-hmm. a street that where I parked on Cook Street a couple of weeks ago. And I was outside after the panel and I saw a blind man with a cane mm-hmm. navigating four scooters. Two were upright, but just sort of, they were all four were strewn. Let's just say they were just strewn on the sidewalk. I don't know how he did it, but he managed to get himself around them. But I thought to myself, we've had them for long enough now, right? We like we've passed the honeymoon period, which was a nightmare for many, um, as to whether or not we want them. They're, all, they're here now. So why, why can't we evolve scooter courtesy? I mean, you're a scooter user. What do you think? How would it work? Well, I mean, in a perfect world, everyone would be great and would leave them well and, and look after them. It's like when I see rubbish, I pick it up. I just think I think that's what everyone should do. If we all just picked up our rubbish, that would be easy. But, yeah, so, I mean, I, I assume that, you know, we need to get the council to step in and help make regis- legislation and, uh, uh, you know, regulations and work with the scooter providers. Scooter providers have got to come to the party. Sue, do you ride a scooter? Oh, no. <laughs> Way too dangerous in my situation. <laughs> Fair play. Okay, (laughs) some scooter courtesy. Text 2101 if you've got some ideas. Park them on the inside of the footpath or on the curbside. There's a lot of options. Looking forward to hearing from you. This is the panel. News is next.